Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Charting Room, a podcast where today's hot topics meets mental health conversations. This is Kivon here with a reminder that the views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests. This podcast is meant to be informative and entertaining and is not a substitute for one-on-one medical or mental health care of any nature, nor the suggestion of any diagnosis or treatment. Remember that only a licensed provider can evaluate your situation, provide a diagnosis, or render other medical and mental health advice to you. Now, let's dig in. Welcome to the charting room. What's good? I'm your girl, Kivon, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And this is Dr. Anthony Andrews here. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor. This is Dr. Sheree White. Uh, mm, Dr. Sheree Watkins. <laughs> yeah, long day already. Um, Dr. Sheree Watkins. Um, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor also. Uh, Dr. Phil Murray, board certified in adult and child psychiatry. And we are your charting room co-hosts back for another week and back to our original way of bringing information to you all a podcast (laughs) (laughs) we um we had one video making it seem like we've just gone all the way we had two we um did the live recording on um stream yard or something like that and then we did the facebook live it was two right no but 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 that one was given to people as a podcast wasn't it Mm-hmm. Hi. Right. It was. But you know what? You know the, the, the thing about Kevon. She was so. I think we should go live, y'all. I think we should go live. <laughs> then it's like we do live. Now she like she lost another <laughs> doing a regular way. So we're just we're just soldiers. So we're just doing whatever she says, guys. Okay. We are just trying. I'm just trying to make sure that our audience knows. Like, listen, we want to bring you all what you want to hear, and we want to bring it to you in the way that you originally found us you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that's okay. that's just my <laughs> that was my goal <laughs> so i am on week going into week five of quarantine and i feel like i am just now like last week i felt like i was just finding my groove with being in quarantine how has it been for you all wait hold on what do you mean by finding a groove so okay full transparency it was like full transparency yes so the first couple of weeks i was like full-on in activated trauma response mode and as i've been working with my therapist i've been able to process through the fact that the december hospitalization for me was extremely traumatic because it was out of the blue for all intents and purposes i'm a fairly healthy or an a, what I would consider to be a healthy individual, eat right, work out, et cetera. And then all of a sudden I'm in the hospital with pneumonia. Um, and so the, 
initiation of the quarantine, I think brought all of that back up for me. And so I was really paranoid, really hypervigilant, like checking my temperature, checking my pulse, checking my oxygen levels, and then checking the children's. And everybody in the house was like, you gotta chill out. Um, and so just had to work through that and really go back to making sure that I was consistent with my self-care regimen. And so now I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Okay. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Good. Thank you. How has it been for you all? I didn't, I didn't even think oh. about that. I didn't, well, yeah. I hate to interrupt. I didn't even think about that, uh, though, Kimon, because, uh, you, that was pretty traumatic. For yeah. You. And, um, you know, I know you were really down and out mm -hmm. during that time, but I guess no one wants to feel that way again. I mean, I remember I uh, caught the flu uh, sometime last year, and and you know I had a friend of mine that actually uh, you know had coronavirus, and she said it was three times worse. Yeah. Than flu. So I don't want any parts of that. Uh, so I don't definitely don't want to feel like that. So I definitely understand. What yeah, you're yeah. So I just I really had to work through that because it had your home girl like straight up scared. Um, and so I, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm fully like, boom, um, back. I'm still working through it, but definitely not as handicapped as I was like the first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was talking to Sheree, um, this week and, you know, she also was saying that she was like, girl, like that was traumatic for you. And I mm -hmm. was like, yeah, it really was. Cause out of all of um all the team, I'm the only one that was able to make it up there to see you before mm -hmm. you got started. So I know what it was like to see you in the hospital bed, and so and also getting that text message from you, and you was like, "Oh, but it's not that bad. I'm doing okay." I think that was scary for us too. Yeah. Um, so we definitely understand how that can be um, dramatic for you and preparing to enter into this pandemic with so much of the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, too. Um, so I think we all understood that you was distancing and so we just gave you your space and felt that we would support you when you were ready to start talking about it oh you guys are the best we have our moment well now the rest of us look like shitty uh, co-hosts because we didn't get up to see uh Keep mine and Sheree. <laughs> no, no, I didn't want visitors. <laughs> no, they had to actually sneak out of work. Guys, this is this is not a conversation for the air. <laughs> not a conversation for the air. We'll, we just gonna we we'll just gonna buy, we gonna table this. We gonna table this. Our moderator always keeps us in check. So, yes. with that being said, yeah. like, how are you all doing? I know you all, at the initiation of it, y'all were, like, still doing y'all's thing, you know, coming and going. And I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. So, how are you all doing now? Coming and going? We were going to see Tasty. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I was jealous. <laughs> yeah. Like you decided it's to make a doomsday bunker and you had <laughs> straight up doomsday, straight up bunker. Yeah, like the kids can't leave the house, the kids can't even look at the window. Like, what? Yeah. T-Vine is one of those type of mamas. Yeah, I had to really check I myself. Am. I had to really check myself. I was like, uh, you know, Kevon, I mean, she's really like this thing is serious. I think you I think you're the first person that really woke me up. To let me know that okay yeah this is some serious stuff going on because i was still kind of operating uh as normal uh not you know not all the way but you mm -hmm. know like i said i snuck out for the haircut uh, which i really want to do again <laughs> but i'm not um 
but uh, you know, and you know, just taking it seriously because you don't want to affect anybody in your house. Uh, so it has been scary times because you get reports about, you know, at first we were thinking it's just uh, elderly mm-hmm. people. Now, mm-hmm. you, okay, you're seeing people that are getting it uh, your age and younger. So now it's just really just about protecting your friends and family at this point. Yeah. And just following the guy. For sure. <laughs> so speaking of that, I think earlier this week or midweek, um, Trump um, announced that the that America should be reopened for business as usual and there are steps to it but the underlying goal is to reopen america because he believes that we have already reached our peak and so there's Hmm. no reason for us to continue to quarantine what were y'all's thoughts on that Uh, i mean i mean no like one like just just no Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because of a couple of things i mean one his his goal, at least expressed goals, have been all around the economy and everything else. He wanted to open by April. He want, I mean, not by April. He wanted to open Easter. by Easter. Easter. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, depending on what news you follow and everything else, the coverage is vastly different as far as how reality-based and serious this thing can be. Um, you know, and so when you really try to put a political agenda to something like this, and keep in mind, you know, there have been reports that it may have been created in Wuhan in a laboratory, blah, blah. And that mm-hmm. might be the case, but at this point, we got to deal with what we got mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I don't really watch the news too much, but I will read an article here and there. But it's starting to affect some of the more rural areas, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the point that I think a really big meat processing plant, uh, I want to say South Dakota, I'm not sure. What and city, here, but, I mean, what and state, here but, in North Carolina. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. So you have it slowly getting to these other places and people look at New York and California and feel like, oh, you know, then that's it. And it's like, no, it just Mm-mm. it's taking a longer time mm-hmm. to get to you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, they don't have the capacity to do it. They don't have testing capacity. They don't have the workforce. And so it's really poised to devastate folks if they don't go with the whole social distancing thing. And the mm-hmm. thing that's bugging me out is like there are people actually protesting the social distancing. <sighs> like I, I'm, I'm it's like I get I get it to a certain extent but that's not the way to go about it when if you have actually talked to people in these places like uh, I know people that work in healthcare in New York in California heck there's even Mm -hmm. Albany Georgia where one of my homeboys he's a uh, doctor down there he was like look he was like I had a young healthy guy that was on room air one day on event three Mm. days later you know, I know people who have had parents die mm-hmm. from this. I know people who have had other family members die from this. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely a big deal. And I think for me personally, uh, you know, going back to the original question of how we're doing, it's kind of managing like, all right, this is serious, but also not managing the thought that I'm going to die every mm-hmm. 10 seconds of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's a balance between like, for me, I'm trying to look at the perspectives of uh, people from both sides. Uh, and I like, like I always try to do, um, I know that uh, a lot of people are being affected by this and not even just the people who are actually getting sick or who are uh, not healthy right now, but the people who have small mom and pop shops, mm-hmm. uh, the barbers, mm-hmm. the people that have salons who are saying, you know what, man, I really need this to, uh, to be over. And I really want to protest, like Phil was saying, the social distancing, because although, you know, um, people are being affected. I know I may not be able to bounce back from this financially ever. There are some people that are in different places where they can't apply for PPP loans. 
um, people that can apply for uh, or get stimulus checks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these businesses will never mm-hmm. bounce back um, from the financial hit that they're taking. So, you know, when you listen to those people, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to get back and booming. And I think people look at their own lives and seeing how it affects them personally. And that's how they yeah. want the politics to go. You know? I believe the concern with that, though, I think I can't remember who it was that I saw who scrolled across my news feed, but um, a senator made the statement of it's okay to go ahead and open back up. It's okay that if we open back up and we end up um, losing more people, he said it probably will only be two to three percent of the population. To me, that was so unethical, it it lacked empathy. And I think that's something to be said that if we open up too early, it's gonna be another massive wave. Mm -hmm. Most um, statisticians that I've heard or um, immunologists haven't said that each state is different when they're gonna be reaching their peak. You can't make a national call when each state is Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that we're gonna have to wait but I, I, I remember talking to uh, my sister earlier and I said, you know, even if they open back up May 1st, Sheree Watkins won't be going back mm-hmm. out there. And I referenced the, the analogy I remember learning from my grandmother. In the wintertime, my, one of my favorite pastimes was eating snow cream. But my grandmother was very specific. You can't eat the first snow. Mm. It can't, and she said it would contain all the toxins and stuff from the air. She said it's better if you wait for the, the second or the third, but um, preferably the third. She said that's going to be the best snow that you can eat and it would taste good. It will last longer. So I'm just like that. No, I don't want the first. Mm-mm. No, I'll probably eat the second. It's a hell of an hour. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I didn't give you I, snow I like it. We, we were supposed to be going to, um, we were supposed to be going to Jamaica for our anniversary trip, uh, May 6th. And uh, now it's like, okay, that, that you know, that got canceled. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, you know, upset about that, but there's nothing worth risking. I want to go back to that point you made about the uh, the, the gentleman that spoke about the two mm-hmm. um, with the population. With that. You know, and I, uh, sadly and unfortunately, I think that that's always been the case of how things are ran, how healthcare has been running. So if you think about the disparities in uh, uh, the numbers into black and brown communities, you know, or even if a virus comes out, even like uh, the AIDS virus or anything that comes out, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're being affected mm-hmm. the most. Okay, these communities that uh, don't have the resources, don't have the healthcare in place, uh, where you got some communities where you're going to put drug stores and uh, alcohol stores, uh, rather, uh, liquor stores on every corner, um, the, the fast food restaurants where you put. So it's always that small percentage that uh, gets the short end of the stick, regardless. Now you got a person just simply just outright mm-hmm. saying it this mm-hmm. time. But if you really think about it, that's how it's always been done uh, with uh, uh, marginalized groups, sadly, mm-hmm. you know, so it sucks. I mean, so the thing is, like, when we're looking at healthcare specifically, though, like, I think a lot of times, and I take a very, I'll just say I take my own perspective on things of, you know, like for a while, yes, in this country, especially when it came to the disparity between black and white people, it was deliberate and intentional, uh, unfortunately, to the point where it just became automatic. Um, and so if you look at the way that some things were developed in this country, uh, if you look at the way that, you know, like there's a lot of stuff at this point that is just inherent in the way that we do things. And so that is something that drives disparities. And so a lot of times historically, you know, healthcare would say, it's not our place to address, you know, poverty, housing, and everything else. That's an economics issue. That's people not wanting to work, all these types of things. But now we're starting to develop the language and kind of expertise and showing, like, actually, no, all of this stuff leads to these health issues. 
And I think when we have something like this, like a pandemic where already people were being disproportionately affected by stuff that could have been prevented, you just see that even more now, you know, and uh, I think that is what's bringing it to the forefront. And like I said, I actually applaud uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Is it Kelsey? Kelsey? Mm-hmm. I, I forget. This. Yeah, but I, I applaud him for mm-hmm. at least naming it on a national mm-hmm. stage. Um, you know, and I'm not going to front like mm-hmm. that automatically undoes everything, but it at least gets it out into the general public, even though there is plenty of research in individual hospital systems and trade organizations and things like that have started working this into things. And unfortunately, from my perspective, it's not because of some great moral awakening, sure. but just because it costs mm-hmm. people money. Uh, and so as that has started to have its own consequence, now, okay, we can get a moral change yeah. based on a financial outcome. I think the financial issue is a, a major contributor to what has now caused a, a major divide um, within the U.S., whether the, it's a mom and pop shop or just a, a medium-sized you know, um, organization owner. When we um, saw the news, I think it was like on Thursday or maybe Wednesday night, can't remember which day it was this week, that the 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 business um, monies that the government has set aside were already taken, and I distinctly remember seeing um, a post that one of the um, what's the steakhouse? Oh, yeah, Ruth oh, Chris, Chris, like their steakhouse Ruth chains Chris. had received close to like two or three million dollars, and so twenty, yeah, 20 million. million. And so, yeah, and, I'm like, yeah. and I remember the person who posted it, um, one of the local um, mental health agencies, I think it's um, Thompson Family, you know, they have a lot of different um, service entities. And one of those is also adoption. They have also group homes. They stated they, they, they applied on the second day that it was open and got nothing. So to me, yeah. Yeah, same here. Like I, I, you know, I applied uh, for the spot meet. Wow. You and so you start to question like, where's this money going? Because I remember when it released, I had all my ducks in a mm-hmm. row and just submitted my stuff. Oh, now the money ran out. So it's like, okay, well, what's, go- what's going on? It seems like, uh, you know, the businesses that people want to stay open are going to stay open, but the smaller businesses are directly being affected by this. Maybe they don't have a team of people uh, to, you know, hop on it that minute or that second, or then um, you have to really have this question. What's going but on? just on top of that, so. and keep in mind, I'm just going to go out and say I have not read the particulars of where the money goes and who's eligible, but I totally understand the need to stimulate the economy and everything else. But how was none of that money earmarked for increasing capacity to actually treat the virus, get people tested, and all that other types of stuff, because that's right. why we're in this mess in the right. first place. 100% agree. And Great. on top of that, he took them, um, he took monies away from the World Health Organization. You know, I, to me, I haven't, I haven't seen anybody else post, but he's the first president who's ever done that in probably the past couple of years or the past decade or, decade or so. So I think the, the leadership decisions that he's making is really based off of a business acumen and not like a health and service acumen. And again, I, I, well, I don't think it's based on well, any acumen at all. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about him as an individual, yeah, I don't, I don't think any of his decisions are morally based. I, it, it's all about him and the 1%. Well, actually, I mean, so the WHO thing, I think that's more, uh, I think I could be wrong. I ain't talked to the man about it, but I think of that's course. more about deflecting mm-hmm. blame and saying like, oh, you know, these people did this. so I'm going to decrease funding. And it makes it seem like he's making a hard decision. While if you literally go to the transcripts, he's repeatedly said, 
this is not a big deal. We've got it under control. Everything is fine. The Democrats are politicizing this. Like all of that yeah. stuff are words mm-hmm. that came out of his mouth. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. So how are you going to do that yeah. and then turn around and then blatantly try and deflect and punish somebody else while really ruining the world? Yeah. For mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I, I just, I don't, I don't foresee this going well over the next um mm-hmm. you know month or so um and so how do you think that's going to impact the business that we work in how do you think this is going to impact our clients and their families um what is that going to look like for us as clinicians i well i think i think as clinicians from the business standpoint i think that um see you know, many of you may know, um, or people listening, there's been a lot of like uh, pushback on how you actually mm-hmm. conduct counseling when it comes to insurance companies, um, and how you are actually reimbursed for these right. services. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that doesn't include telehealth, unfortunately. So, but now that has been released. So um, now you're saying, okay, well, yeah, I can be anywhere in the state and I can still see my clients virtually mm-hmm. and it can be all okay as long as it's on the HIPAA compliant portal. So now that they've released this, I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like when we dive back uh, into, I guess, everything post-coronavirus, because how can you really explain mm-hmm. that it's not justified? We already proven that it can be done. Um, but um, so I'm really interested to see how that's going to be, because, you know, I personally, I think I've been able to reach more people um, with my time and just my um, sure. ability to be accessible uh, from virtual sessions. Now, how it's impacted my clients? A lot, a lot of my clients are going back and forth. Some are saying, you know, I'm ready to get back to work because... Uh, unemployment mm-hmm. uh, or the stimulus check just isn't doing it for me. And I have other bills I have to pay. And, you know, they say that, okay, well, I push my mortgage mm-hmm. back, my rent back two months. But after that, what's next? And if they're saying we're at the peak of this thing, we're not even at the peak of it. And, you know, a lot of people are living in this, uh, you know, ambiguous <sighs> state not knowing what's going on. I'm de- I, mean, I will say, mm-hmm. I think North Carolina has actually done a pretty decent job, uh, specifically like the Charlotte area and everything else. I think compared to other states before it really got out of hand. I know the Charlotte area uh, had the stay-at-home orders not too not too long after uh, New York and California. And keep in mind, New York and California mm-hmm. had basically been ravaged at that point. So uh, Charlotte had been doing that. And then uh, the governor actually, uh, you know, kind of mm-hmm. followed suit about mm-hmm. a week later or so. Uh, and so just with, you know, where I work and everything, they kind of give daily calls with the numbers and everything. And so they are going up. But I think the responses that we have and the capacity, I think we just had more time to plan compared to other places. And so, uh, but to Anthony's point, there is the personal impact of like physical health and everything else. And then there's the economic impact and everything else that factors into how people are doing with anxiety, stress and everything else. And so I think we're going to have to deal with it twofold, uh, just professionally as far as supporting folks through some of these economic changes and whatever physical and family-wide changes that came I'm just curious, um, when it comes to your basic outpatient therapy um, and even some other outpatient services, I think those will be able to return, but I think the looming question that you um, you stated, Anthony, would be um, there's no way that you can dial back the flexibility that has been provided for us during this pandemic because it can continue to be done. My question, though, will be for the services that are a little bit more in-depth those what we call those enhanced services, so like acting and things like that, in which you know 
some of those um, some of those patients in that population may not necessarily have the means to continue to do teletherapy of, of some sort, and they're tra- more likely to be transient. And so that's my question that I, I'm, I'm thinking about as far as long term. How do we handle those those types of populations when it comes to a transition in mental health? Well, I will say, I mean, so I actually yeah. work on an ACT team and we've done a pretty good mm-hmm. job of uh, kind of getting in touch with folks. And the thing is, I mean, people who are transient and everything else, no matter what you want to say, they still have the same mobile mm-hmm. devices and smartphones and everything else, because that's really the only way that, you know, folks who are like that are able to access the Internet and everything else. You know, they're not walking around with laptops, Wi-Fi, but they'll still have, you know, access to that. So I think as long as phone numbers are still working and things like that, which thank God people are able to get done. Uh, We can still track folks and get in touch with them. But even though this does offer a certain amount of flexibility to folks, it's to Anthony's original point where now it's being reimbursed, providers can do it. And so if insurance companies, uh, CMS, whoever you want to talk about it, takes away that reimbursement, unless people are able to pay for it out of pocket, we're going to go right back to the way things were ahead of time. But I also think it's going to be a long while before we do that. And it's going to be up to providers to really just kind of join together and advocate like, hey, this is what we got going on. Whether it's coming to the forefront with data outcomes, clinical measures, whatever it may be, it's really going to take a big push on Mm -hmm. providers to say we want this as opposed to letting it be dictated specifically by, you know, people who hold the coins. Yeah. And I think, and I think uh, luckily we're, we're able to speak from both sides. Like, like Yvonne saying about talking with uh, her therapist or me uh, working mm-hmm. with my therapist, we're still sitting in the uh, the seats as clients now. Uh, for, um, you know, um, you know, benefiting off the the virtual ser- uh, services that are being rendered. So, you know, we're not just speaking from a reimbursement uh, mm-hmm. or I guess a business aspect. It's like you know, as a, even as a client. So I hope this thing is, uh, you know, being advocated for and we continue to push for that. Yeah, yeah. Without, um, you know, many people being able to utilize their benefits to continue with virtual services, it's going to be really hard for people to be able to afford ongoing therapy. And we know that that is going to be the, the fallout from this. Right. I'm talking about how it's impacted me from a trauma perspective. Think about the thousands, millions of other people that are having that same experience. Think about the people that are experiencing loss and grief, right? And so Mm -hmm. my hope is that insurance companies will continue to support teletherapy as a platform. Um, But, you know, only time will tell. And just a quick um, thought based on what you said, Kivon, long term, the concern of us also living in this pandemic and still providing healing to others. Um, Just curious as to what that may look like too, because we always have been, um, and we've talked about it in the past shows when it comes to self-care, but this time is going to look a slightly different Mm -hmm. compared to the possible use of, as you know, I always say, going into my same two box. I don't think I can keep doing some of the same self-care things. Let's just say this goes for another three months that may not necessarily work. For sure. I'll let the guys bite at that first and then I'll jump in. What uh if I heard you correctly, Sheree, I guess when I, the way I'm thinking about it is making sure you still keep your boundaries up as a provider. Um, you know, there's been days I've been at home and uh, <laughs> you know, my daughter's uh busting into the office and it's 
you know, it becomes uh, extremely stressful for me. So there's some days of the week mm-hmm. that I just had to send out that I'm not available that day. And, you know, so um, just trying to balance that self-care still as a provider mm-hmm. going through uh, the pandemic, just like everyone else. Um, and I think I think that's the whole, uh, you know, making sure mm-hmm. that you are you let your clients know everybody else know. Yeah, you know, I'm human, too. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fighting for uh, groceries at the grocery store, too. You know, so it's just like, uh, we know, we, we're not we're not, you know, yeah. just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. invincible for anything. So I know you're here, still you know? working at the hospital. How how does that I mean, look for you? I mean, and that's the thing. I, I acknowledge that in a number of ways I am privileged and that I do get to go to work. So my day is automatically broken up and things like that. But on top of that, we've switched almost exclusively to virtual appointments. And the thing is, for I think the work that we do, especially outpatient providers, it's this weird area of essential and non-essential. So you can't cancel all appointments because if people miss one or mm-hmm. two appointments, it's very possible for things to get real essential real quick. Uh, you know, but also it's not invasive to the point where we have to see people face to face. And so I go in, but a lot of the appointments are still by mm-hmm. phone or video. So that decreases risk of exposure there. Uh, and it does still allow uh, folks to become connected. And I mean, I think for me, because I'm such a relational person, I'm such a person that really does better on the kind of face to face type of deal. Uh, but really just leaning into just kind of all communication is still communication. All contacts are contacts. Uh, so whether that's with patients during the day speaking virtually or family and friends speaking virtually, trying to maintain as much of that. Because I think a lot of times we get characterized mm-hmm. by what we can't do versus by what we can do. And so um, so still, you know, going outside, I'll still take walks during the day when I'm seeing folks, you know, just different things like that to try and break it up and manage it, but also offering that to other people. And also acknowledging when I don't have the answers, just saying like, look, this is a big thing. It's brand new. I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't have all of the answers. This is new for all of us. So there really is no appropriate or inappropriate yeah. way to do things. Yeah. Just validating yeah, I agree with the whole self-care notion and be, getting more creative with it because self-care that worked for me previously might still work and might also need to be swapped out with something else. Uh, for an example, as a part of my self-care, I used to love to go to my yoga studio. Um, and so the community there, plus the yoga class, was just very beneficial for me. Well, now that's not an option. So I've had to switch that out. Um, but also, I agree with um, the both of you in, in being like transparent, first with self, being honest with self about how this is impacting, and then also having some degree of transparency, not full transparency, not full on disclosure, but some degree of transparency with our clients, because we are walking this thing out together. Um, I know for me, when I was activated, um, the way that I really came to the realization of how activated I was, was my body started to experience pain. And so during a couple of sessions, as I continued to try to push through, I actually had to like lay in the floor to ease some of the pain and then just kind of continue my sessions that way, either via telephone or with some of my long-term clients, you know, there's like, Oh, you're just stretching out for yoga or something like that. Um, 
<laughs> but having to be honest with myself and say, no, like you need to stop, reset, and then continue. And so this week right here was supposed to be spring break for the kiddos and I, and we were actually supposed to be in Hawaii. Um, and so instead of going ahead and filling up my schedule, I was like, nope, I'm going to take some time to really just take care of me only, you know, see a few, but really just take some time to take care of me. Um, and that has been super beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 I, th I think, I think that has to be, this, this balance is just everything, man. And, um, I think we can't stress it enough. Um, mm -hmm. and what that means yes. to just spend time with family and around the people that you love, um, you know, that you care about and still, you know, you For don't have to sure. FaceTime a client maybe that day, but maybe you FaceTime a relative that you can't get close to. So, uh, you know, just uh, making sure you're putting yourself first um, and making sure that your health care, uh, your health is, uh, you know, yeah. a one because without mm -hmm. that, I mean, we can't, we can't service anybody. What do you all uh, think that uh, should look like or yeah. not even think yeah. that should look like? Very what important. would you be some of your suggestions for people that are still leaving the home to, to work because there is another degree of stress that comes with that. Um, and so what do you all think would be really good suggestions for that population of people? I mean, definitely following the recommendations on personal protective equipment and everything else. I mean, it's one of those things where yes, it is serious. It is mm -hmm. serious and everything else. But mm -hmm. There's still steps that people can do to protect themselves. Uh, and I think a lot of times when we look at it in the grand scheme of things, when we look at the big numbers of, you know, over a million cases worldwide and this many deaths and everything else, you can feel very helpless. Uh, and so that's what I was saying earlier as far as managing the information that you get versus, oh, no, I'm going to die in 10 seconds. You know, it's kind of like, no, this is not necessarily a death sentence. There are risks out there and you should protect yourself during those things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just kind of empowering people and saying, is it absolutely, you know, 100% going to block everything? Not necessarily, but from what we've learned and from what yeah. we've gotten, these are the steps you can take to protect yourself while you're out there. Yeah, and I've been talking with a lot of people who um, I have been trying to talk through them and say that, hey, we'll talk to them and get through to them. Like, you don't have to feel that guilt of not wanting to be at work or being afraid of being at work when you have to be. Because a lot of people are getting hit back with, well, you know, um, you have a job, so you should be thankful, um, you know, and, you know, you, so don't complain about going to work. But everybody has their right to feel, you know, scared or mm -hmm. not wanting to go and risking their own life of uh, of going out and about, still getting on the front lines to help people. So, you know, if you hear a person that's still stressed about going to work, the first response isn't us be, you know, be thankful you have a job. Um, and you mean, you know, wish that person, I'm pretty glad they are, um, you know, glad that they have a job. But, you know, they still are For sure. feel, you know, yeah. nervous or shaking. I mean, I think going. that's also a good segue to talk about the stimulus checks. There's been so many conversations, memes, people trying to get on their soapboxes of saying this is what you should do. Um, this is what you shouldn't do with your money. Um, and I just find that if we just all stay in our lane and realize that um, how this pandemic is um, affecting each household, um, what they choose to do with this stimulus check, once again, will look different in each household, then we all will truly be yeah. okay. Like, you don't come in my bank account, I won't come into yours. <laughs> People are like, 
super like invasive yeah. with their recommendations, like pushy with their recommendations mm-hmm. on social media. I'm like, just worry about you and your family. And we. Mm-hmm. I know, but I'm Stop. like, it's social media. Was, Everybody's invasive with everything. With a hobby or a new business, then you're lazy and lack discipline. Now is mm-hmm. if you spend your whole stimulus check on X, Y, and Z, then you poor. Like it's like mind your business. Mm-hmm. You yeah, didn't even get a stimulus check. You did not get a stimulus check. My generations of family. Okay, I'm clearly <laughs> one, one, stay on my pocket. Okay, stay on my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two, I was being facetious. <laughs> being facetious. You know I was pissed was when like? I woke up. Very quickly. Very quickly. You know, you wake up. You just wake up in the morning and everybody, you know, um, I'm hearing people saying, you know, putting like the memes of the money spending themselves. Yo, the I'm like, yo, Phil, Phil, oh Reggie for Phil on that uh, one. No, no, I get it. But yeah, I was, he I was he really, cool. really, really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are clearly breaking our rules about our group chat. God, stop. But yeah, I will, I will say this and. I I tend to get a little little bit testy when uh, folks on our side of things, um, you know, kind of get, and I understand the frustration when people get benefits and things like that, um, you know, but I also have to explain why people, you know, get those benefits. I'm thinking specifically, you know, when I work with the ACT team or if you're working with indigent patients or something like that, you know, when you hear what somebody gets for the month to spend on rent, you know, whether it's food stamps or whatever else. Right. And then somebody's like, oh, you know, well, I don't get money for that. And I'm like, but you also have yeah. control of your emotional mm-hmm. and intellectual faculties and you have a job. Like these people have nothing. And I think a lot of time, and especially I want to keep that in mind because when we talk about, you know, disparities and everything with black folks and whatever else, we are all up in arms about we should close these gaps, we should change things, but go one step outside of what directly applies to us and our mm-hmm. tune can sound just mm-hmm. like the folks that we're railing against and protesting against. And that's something that I really try to be mindful about. I do not always get it right. But it's something that whenever I can, I try and bring that to point. So, you know, so when I do stuff like that, I'm not trying to, you know, silence anybody. It's just like, no, let's just keep a little bit of perspective because there are many times where we are on the other side of that yeah. argument. People looking less like, yeah. well, why don't you just work? Point taken. Like, actually, point taken. <laughs> it's a little bit different. What were you going to say, Aunt, um, yeah. prior to us laughing? Okay. No, 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 I was, no, no, I was, uh, I, I really forgot what I was going to say. I was, uh, actually driving and I thought a cop was about to pull me over. So I was mm-hmm. actually battling between, um, a cop had kind of turned around just now <laughs> and I was battling, like, am I going to, am I going to stay on air while he gives me a ticket? And I thought that would be, like, uh, I don't know, so I was just racing to my mind. I was thinking about doing it, just staying on air. I mean, um, shoot, I like, would. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Like, it's, it's an essential podcast. I thought somebody was. I was like, it sounds like somebody was is driving, but I wasn't for Man, he sure. De- he definitely got somebody else though. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's me. It's me. We love you for who you are. This is true. I hope this you clear is true. Audio. Thank you. 
Thank I'm just going to assume you're doing essential things for your family. And y'all just go off in each other's faces for three hours. Yeah, yeah. It's a sense of business. It's a sense of business. Like, what? You know, every time Kevon speaks about, like, you know, staying indoors, all I can think about is uh, her. Be, I guess, You're hilarious. She has these, like, mm-hmm. out the window. I don't know if you guys heard that on, like, the two episodes before. Man, that was after school. We couldn't have company in, after and, school because, you, know, you know, the parents were not home. Yeah. I just see, <laughs> I, I see Trinity in there doing the same thing right now. Listen, <laughs> we are trying to follow the CDC's Generation. recommendations to the T. To the T. <laughs> Uh, trust yes. me, we are all like yes. ready to be guys. free from this house. Um, so so ready, but you know, I, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. When you have, so we are outside. So one yeah, of the things go that outside I and have a vegan barbecue you guys know, with your family. and I notoriously complained about <laughs> was the fact that we live so far out in the country. Um, I am so thankful right, that we live mm-hmm. so far out in the country. Um, so we spend the majority of our days outside, either in the hammock or lounging in the loungers or picnic blankets outside. So we're outdoors. So you got a hammock? Or your, Y'all or your, definitely or your, uh, underground pool. The comes out and bring you guys Everything else? <laughs> Why are you uh, waiting? Uh, <laughs> uh, clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going super on happy over for there. everybody that got yeah. one. Like, super <laughs> clearly. happy. Clearly. <laughs> super happy. I'm like, they really should have been given more, <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah. what? What else? Yeah. 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 It's not more, just multiple. Or at least on a more. Just a one time thing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. We are all confined to the house, but once we get out yeah. in these big bag streets again, some of us will return to being like active members of our fraternities and sororities. And so I know that recently in the news, there was this, I don't know if I want to call it a debate or a discussion about whether sororities and fraternities should allow their um, Greek symbols to be on face masks because now it's mandatory Mm -hmm. or strongly recommended that if you are in public, you must wear a face mask. So what are you all's thoughts on that? Why not? Yeah, like, honestly, that's just hard eye roll. Like, of all of the things that people want to talk about and debate about, like, you know, like, unless somebody, you know, has on their face mask with their letters and they're injecting heroin in front of a church, like, come on. God, dog. You let people wear Mm -hmm. bananas, hats. Umbrella. I heard that one of the um, one of the divine nine organizations has already put out a mandate that you can't. I didn't get the information of um, which organization that it was, but I feel like you know, in past conversations with all of us being in our organizations for a significant amount of time, there's just certain types of items that we know that is a little bit more derogatory um, that our letters shouldn't go on. 
but it's not going on our backside. It's not once again going on our feet. It's going on our face for protection. So I don't necessarily see anything wrong. And I'm just surprised that it got to the point where an organization made a mandate that they said, no, that you can't do that. To me, that's just ridiculous. Well, you know, it'd be the the people that Mm -hmm. are so far removed from what? What? <laughs> you know the university that uh, well, well, right. to, the students are looking to uh, probate and, fear and have Illuminati cut you off. Yeah, you no. going out? Pull over on the side of the road. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So say oh, what you were sorry, saying. We lost you. Yeah, we far removed. All right. Good. I w- yeah, I think people are so far removed from the collegiate uh, level of how, you know, these organizations run and let people do what they do. You know, I'm thinking about the people that are on these campuses and who are who are not able to probate, who are coming out in these lines uh, this yeah. year and have mm-hmm. to strip up a probate. You know, so now they, they've been uh, being creative and putting their, you know, putting the letters on signs and masks and doing everything else. Just, you know, just let, let them out. Yeah. They're not even mm-hmm. on campuses. They have their parents' that, house. That's hopefully. what I'm saying. So just like, you know, just let them mean what, what is it hurting? I just don't. Oh, I'm so glad to hear hurting. that there have been lines that have still continued with the process and are having their own then, creative ways of like coming out to the public. I think with the organizations, they said if it started by a certain date with all of them, um, then they would continue Yay. and complete. That's awesome. Yeah. So each organization came up with their own date as to what that would look like. And so I'm glad that they continue too. But it's just like what you know what we talked about last time, whether it's a probate or a graduation or prom, there's so many misses yes. and losses um, that many of our young people are going without this year that I can't imagine. I, I, I distinctly remember my probate from the time I woke up that morning to the end of the night. It was something that was very you know, memorable for me. And you know, memorable because also I had my twin sister you know, doing it with me. So I just can't imagine. I'm hoping that these types of memorable situations can at least be postponed and not necessarily just completely you know, yeah. Um, stop. Yeah, the loss piece is is one that I don't think we're talking about as much as uh, like collectively. And um, so I was actually talking about mm-hmm. that with my therapist yesterday um, that, you know, there's been so much loss that I don't even think that we've really been begun to scratch the surface and looking at how much we really have mm-hmm. lost um, and the, the magnitude of that, like the impact, what the fallout is going to be from that. Um, and I mean, but also I yeah. think what's going to change is collectively how we mourn just because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to literal loss of life, there are usually gatherings and we, you can't even have those this person just passes or the situation just passes without being to acknowledge it. And so I think yes. you get conditioned to have a grief process mm-hmm. that involves, you know, the funeral, the repast, the eulogy, all yeah. that stuff. And so without that, which I've, like I said, spoken to people and they can't have funerals for these family members or think, or they're going to have to wait. It's, yes. uh, it's putting a pause on the yes, grief. Yes, yes. We all have seen so how Paul's grief can manifest. That's good stuff. Well, <clears throat> I think that, you know, we've kind of covered our bases today with our session. Was there anything else that you all wanted to cover as it relates to just like self-care or um, self-preservation, staying connected, anything as it relates to the current state of affairs in our world? 
I'm just I'm just looking forward to taking a drink with you, a shot with you guys, and eating some vegan food. You know, I miss you we miss you too, Ed. Shut up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having. I really miss you I'm all too. To I can't. I cannot wait to like see friends and family and hug people and. You know, mm-hmm. I just I, I posted a meme that was like that first hug post quarantine is just going to hit different, and I'm just I cannot wait. Oh yeah, love that. And I need somewhere. Um, we have to go somewhere. We have some type of unlimited mimosas or sangrias. Yeah, yeah I want to pay one price and you know walk away with as much <laughs> as I want to drink as possible. Um, <laughs> No judgment. No, no judgment. Podcast. Um, yes, but um, I'm I'm ready to also finally move um, and therefore get my family situated into our new routine. It's just been interesting um, yes. starting a new job, um, but also watching from afar how um, the island is actually handling um, the pandemic. Like yeah. they're truly on lockdown. You can only go out um, one day a week now that she opened it up to three days a week so you can go get groceries. But there was two weeks they couldn't even, you can literally walk outside your door at maybe a couple of feet, but more than that, you know, you will get arrested. Nice. (laughs) Hoping that, yeah. (laughs) Can we get her in the States? We need her. Um, And it was funny because they had a meme of her like um, posting around social media, the prime minister go hard (laughs) in St. Martin. So I give her much respect but my lasting advice would be it's okay to grieve the losses of everything, anything and everything yes. that pertains to you. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be fearful. It's okay yeah. to cry and weep. Um, my lasting you know, thought um, and encouragement will be to use the analogy that I share with my, uh, my clients, which comes from my grandmother, which is you know, in those moments of weeping, just bend over and water Ooh, your own grass. I like that. I love that. I didn't know where it was going. Why? Um, we are not having a moment that's of true. reflection no. after that. That's true. We are not right. I didn't know where it was going with the Hell no, you can't beat that. Okay. You cannot beat that. But I love that ending. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I am so glad that in all your years of being a therapist, thank you, thank you. That is just being honest. Um, So I I guess that's it. I guess that's it. I I just miss you guys so much. I almost don't want it to end, but it's Saturday. The sun is still shining, and my hammock is calling my name. So. So it's been real. You all be safe to our listeners. Stay safe. Stay encouraged. Check on your friends and your family members. Um, Mm -hmm. Reach out to people. Really stay connected to people. I know for me, when I am in survival mode, I tend to distance myself from people and go into my own shell. And it really becomes impactful for the people that I love. And so I'm trying to be very diligent about staying connected. And so I wanna encourage you all to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Like we all are experiencing loss. And so um, love on people. We all need to be loved on during the season and always. And with Mm -hmm. that being said, the charting room is signing off.